Hey, Top News listeners, this is Luke Garrett. And Megan Cloherty. We're the hosts of WTOP's daily local news podcast, The DMV Download. Don't worry, top news from WTOP isn't going away, but we wanted to drop in and give you a taste of what we're producing, a podcast that goes deeper into the biggest stories of the day. If you like what you hear, head over to the DMV Download podcast and subscribe. It's Wednesday, October 5th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, Metro's new general manager is cracking down on what's one of the most flagrant violations on the system, fare evasion. Randy Clark says starting next month, Metro Transit Police will start fining people who jump the turnstiles, go around the gates, and don't tap their card when boarding Metro buses. We talk with NBC4 transportation reporter Adam Tuss about what difference this could make. I think Metro basically has gotten lax about whether or not they enforce fare policy, and that doesn't just include D.C., that's Virginia and Maryland. Plus, we've got another segment of DMV Dates, Pumpkin Spiced. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. Randy Clark says fare evasion is the number one complaint he hears about when speaking to riders. I went down to the Friendship Heights metro station this morning to talk to riders about what they think about people not paying their fare. I feel it's unfair for those people to jump without paying anything, you know. Mm. We have to pay. Practically everyone I talked to agreed that fare evasion, well, isn't fair. But how to solve the problem? That's where people had different ideas. Andrea, who works at a Whole Foods, says she likes the idea of finding those who don't pay. They're going to take the metro, they have to pay for it. You know, they have to learn their lesson. And I feel like that's good. I feel like that is good. And Tamina from D.C. agrees, but she's worried that enforcement will get too strict. It will make a difference, but I also don't want them to get too harsh where they hand people over to police and things like that. But some don't know if fining people is the best idea. Zach, a D.C. high schooler, says fines really weren't needed. I just don't know how necessary that is. It's, I mean, it's only like one or two dollars to get on the ride, so I think there should be exceptions. And we know Metro could definitely use the lost revenue, but how will they enforce it and will it really make a difference? For that, we turn to NBC4 transportation reporter Adam Tuss. Adam, let's start with the basics. Um, Clark is talking about finding riders who don't pay. Can you tell us like when would this start? How much would it be? Yeah, so basically there are different rules for the different jurisdictions. So in the district, the fine would be essentially $50. In Virginia and Maryland, the fine would be $100 for those who are caught fare evading. And this is all supposed to start with a warning period over this next couple of weeks. Then they give out flyers. And then starting in November, that's when you start to see more of the citations being handed out. Hmm. All of this has so many layers because the district decriminalized fare evasion uh, a couple of years ago. What that means is it basically moved it from a criminal offense to a civil offense, Hmm. meaning really can't get arrested, I guess, for it. Uh, And in some people's minds, that civil offense isn't as serious as the criminal offense. Really, it's it's very fascinating. Behind the scenes, you've now got set up uh, Metro on one side, the D.C. Council on another side, a lot of riders who are for and against this proposal. And in the end, I don't think anybody's going to win or anyone's going to be happy because there are so many different ways that you could go with this entire discussion. Mm, But do you think it'll get Metro more money, which is an issue here? Do you think it will actually increase revenue? If people decide that they are going to pay, yes. But I will tell you this. Go to any Metro station right now 
go to any bus line right now, you will see people who are just skipping through the fair. And I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that. I think people got very comfortable and a lot of people will tweet, you know, and say, well, why isn't the station manager stepping in? Why isn't the bus operator doing something? Right. They're told not to do anything because they don't want to get them involved in a physical confrontation, um, which is something that has happened in the past for Metro. We have documented some really awful stories. And if you actually go and look at some Metro bus lines, they had to put in plexiglass shields to protect some of the operators. So, um, that is that's kind of another part of all of this is that you know the metro's personnel themselves are not really supposed to step in it's the transit police that are supposed to be the ones that are there enforcing the rules and one of the things that the new general manager actually said yesterday is get ready for more transit police to start flooding trains buses and being in stations that's another one of these kind of things that he wants to see happen he wants high visibility enforcement out there. Yeah, that was my next question, because you see Metro Transit Police at some stations, but at others, they're, they're nowhere to be found. I'm also kind of the cynical part of me is wondering if they're going to put them more in Virginia and Maryland because the citations will be higher there. But uh, he's talking about hiring more police at a time when police are hard to come by. So did he have yeah. any plan for that? Yeah, so uh, he fully admits that they are short on police officers. And Metro has been, as long as I've been covering, trying to actively recruit more police officers, period. I asked him yesterday, um, you know, well, how are you going to do that? Are you going to start with certain stations, you know, a targeted enforcement where you think it's happening? Mm -hmm. And he didn't really give me a specific answer. He said that he's very data driven and he'll look at the data to see where the fare evasion is happening the most and at what times of the day. And then they'll presumably, you know, target those things. And that's something that the new police chief, Michael Anzalo from Metro, has talked about as well. It's more of a kind of targeted enforcement based on data, mm. something that this police chief says they actually used back in like the 1980s and the 90s when there was a crack epidemic going through D.C. He, he used to work for MPD. Anyway, we're getting into the weeds here. <laughs> but <laughs> that, it's one of the things that they they talk about doing, whether or not it works and whether or not this leads to more confrontation. I think that's the other part of this. And I did ask the general manager, you know, do you think you're going to have more confrontation? Mm. And he basically said, you know, we hope everyone pays the fare and we certainly hope it does not lead to more confrontation. Now, this plan circulates around fines. There are other ways, though, perhaps like New York's metro system, there are, you know, kind of taller gates. It's just literally harder to evade. Is that something that the new GM has considered or is that something you've been hearing at all? Yes. Yeah, so you're going to start to see in the next couple of weeks, a couple of different prototypes go out into certain metro stations where the fare gates themselves actually look a little bit different, like what you're talking about, like where they'll have a plexiglass shield that goes down the middle, or maybe it's harder for someone to jump over. Or it's just more restrictive. That in and of itself is a whole debate because you have a lot of people who are uh, you know, disabled right. who will say that makes it harder for us to use the system. You're actually more restricting us to do that. Um, but yeah, that is something they're considering. The really interesting part about all that, Metro just replaced all their fare gates. Yeah. <laughs> like they just did it. And they did it under the previous general manager. But Randy Clark has come in and said, this is really ridiculous. Like we basically replaced all of these. <laughs> it's actually easier to jump over these fare gates. It does nothing but beep at you. And, and it just records the fare evasion. Um, so his thing, and, and we kind of heard this secondhand when he first took over, it's one of the first things that he noticed, he wasn't happy with the way these fare gates are set up right now. And yeah, they're going to look at some new prototypes 
if you go to other places like you talked about, like San Francisco or even New York City, you'll, you will see that they have the more restrictive gates. I didn't realize that the the actual turnstiles record that you haven't paid. So if, if it it's if it's like if it moves in any way, but it doesn't get a fare, it records that. I was wondering how they're going to know how many people are fare evading. Yes. Yeah, so the new gates, you'll if you go back to some of the reporting that I've done or, or if you see anybody do it, you'll see that it turns red if someone steps through it or jumps over it and then it beeps. OK, well, those. Those are recording the fare evasion as it's happening. Now, none of this, we, we really haven't talked about the bus much. You know, the bus is seeing a tremendous amount of fare evasion. We did a story the other day where one bus line, just one, the X2 bus line, which runs between Lafayette Square downtown and the Minnesota Avenue Metro Station. Last year, last calendar year, 2021, that one single bus line had over 914,000 reported fare wow. evasions. Mm. So, one single bus line and we got the top five bus lines and there's hundreds of thousands of fare evasions reported every year. And in that case, the bus operator presses a button to signify the fare evasion. But Adam, so, tell me if tell me if I'm wrong, but the X2 was one of the, the lines where you did see a lot of I mean, we saw violence on that line a couple times with people who didn't want to pay. And then, it, you know, the bus driver yeah. had to deal with it. So it almost seems like it's probably the bus driver just being like, OK, I don't want to I don't want conflict. Right. Yeah. The X2. Uh, rightfully or wrongfully has a, a little bit of a reputation that's attached to it um they've had some unfortunate incidents that yeah. have gone on line you know but it's a busy line and it runs right downtown and look here here's the other thing you can get into so many different parts of this conversation there's a lot of people who say take the fare evasion out of it look at all the people who may or may not be able to pay for the metro system why not raise taxes on everybody make the metro system free and you've kind of solved the problem mm. you know why should why should people who don't have the ability to pay, you know, be be punished because they can't you know, pay? And a lot of people will argue that Metro should be a, a public service, like a utility. You know, it, it should just be there for you when you need it. So there are so many different aspects to just paying your fare. Uh, it gets really interesting. And a halfway step towards that kind of direction is this idea proposed in front of the D.C. Council where they're saying they might give, you know, D.C. residents a hundred bucks. You know, there's going to be no fare evasion there if you have a hundred dollars. Yeah, but it um, also goes back to like the you know giving students a certain fare, right. giving. I mean, like you you have so many specialized groups and specialized programs that goes to the tax point. I mean, why not just you know tax totally. everybody and yeah. then everybody can use it? It's a good good idea. Right. Well, the district says that the way that they would pay for that, and this is Councilmember Charles Allen's bill. It's called uh, Metro for All. Yeah, they would give you a hundred dollars a month on a smart trip card every DC resident, whether or not you use that hundred every year. At the beginning of the month, it would go back up to a hundred. You would never be able to go over a hundred dollars, but essentially, that would make you would think metro free for so many people. Uh, and they say that that would come from two sources of revenue, both a, a surplus from the budget, and then I I don't I don't really understand this one, but it's been told to me an anticipated surplus. Hmm. So money they think they're going to get, hmm. but to me, that's money that's not there yet. <laughs> so I think you have to figure out how to fund that. <laughs> And uh, what struck me when I was just talking to riders this morning was I was talking to this guy named Zach, and he's a high schooler in D.C., and he tells me that most of his friends, I mean most of them, do not pay for their rides on Metro. Like, all of them jump the gates. And I know a lot of people who, I probably know more people who jump the gates than people that pay for them. Especially at my age, like in high school, everyone jumps the gates. So is the issue here just the ease? I mean, mm. making it less easier? Is that what's happening with metro right now i think if these new fare gates come online you're going to see that it 
we really get into a really interesting place here. It's going to be people trying to hop over it. It's going to be much more confrontational. It's going to be, a, it's, it's going to change the way things are going. But to answer your question, I think over the pandemic period here, I think, I think Metro basically has gotten lax about whether or not they enforce fair policy. And that doesn't just include DC. That's Virginia and Maryland. Look, I was just out today on the silver line and I saw tons of people who just jumped right over the gate nothing was happening. So I think what this general manager is trying to do is he's saying, look, there is a certain portion out there that feel like if I'm paying, why are you not paying? And he's trying to make this fair for all. So uh, whether or not this works, whether or not this backfires, I have no idea. I just know that it's one of the biggest issues that I hear about. The general manager says it's one of the biggest issues that he hears about, and he's trying to do something about it. I'm wondering why Clark, why you think Clark is tackling this issue of fare evasion now. I mean, there's arguably bigger fish to fry with the safety issues that Metro has had in the past. We've got the silver line coming back online. It seems like the timing of this is a little odd. Do you, I mean, is it just about money, do you think? So he says that Metro is losing about $40 million a year because of fare evasion. Um, when it, you know, if you take a look at Metro's overall budget, which is billions of dollars a year, it, you know, it's a small percentage. But his argument is that if you can afford to pay the fare and you don't, you're actually hurting the system in the long run. Because then when Metro comes back to try to balance its budget and has to go to the local jurisdictions or has to raise fares, everybody experiences that pain. So I think one of the things that he's trying to do, and this gets into kind of a psychological aspect, is rules are rules. Society should play by the rules. If you don't, then you kind of break down into this lawlessness area and mm-hmm. so he's he's kind of touched on that a little bit i think he just i think he basically doesn't like the level of fair evasion that he's seeing right now and he wants to to make it fair for everybody mm. and it's possible that this campaign is possibly more of a and you noted this psychological might just be notifying hey you know we are now looking at this and we'll see if that makes a difference it might not it make it might make no difference but people might say oh maybe i have to think twice before yeah, i do this changes yeah yeah and listen, they've printed up flyers. Uh, they're going to take the step of putting more police officers. But then there's here's another layer. How much is it going to cost to either make adjustments to the fare gates and put police there Whoa. in terms of overtime? Or is it the $40 million you're losing? Mm-hmm. Does that work out? You know, so... These are questions I don't have the answer to, but I'm not the general manager of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so back to the Silver Line, you got an exclusive tour today and got a ride to Dallas Airport. Um, first of all, I want to hear about that. And, and what did Clark say about the projected timeline? Are we still looking around Thanksgiving for everything to roll out here? Hopefully sooner. Um, yeah, I mean, the people that I've been talking to have been saying, uh, you know, Halloween time frame, maybe first week of November-ish. That's kind of what we're looking at. Uh, first of all, it was very cool. I mean, to I'm a super transit nerd, right? So to be have to have been at the original meeting where they, you know, drew up the station at Dallas International Airport and what it was going to look like, and then then today to actually ride the train in there and see, you know, the terminal appearing before your eyes and being able to get off the train, like for me, very cool moment, almost like put a fine point on it because <laughs> I've covered it so long. Yeah. Wow. That was very cool and. I do think it's going to change people's experience. Look, on the weekend, Metro's $2 right now. So think about if you are downtown in D.C. and you have a flight out of Dallas, are you going to spend $40, $50 on an Uber or are you going to take a $2 Metro ride? It's pretty far, but Mm. it's still going to get there. 
Um, so I think this will change a, a little bit of the landscape. And one of the things that Dallas Airport has been trying to do is increase its domestic capacity as it is. So um, this kind of goes hand in hand with that. The time frame, yeah, there's a couple of things that are sticking points there. Metro Safety Watchdog, the, the Washington Metro Rail Safety Commission has to safety certify the project. So basically they have to go in there and make sure that everything is working the right way. That's why you're starting to see simulated service right now. They're running trains back and forth right now just to make sure everything is okay. Uh, from what I understand, there's still some loose ends to tie up there. And then there's another issue of trains. And this is where the 7,000 series is rearing its ugly head again. Because mm -hmm. if Metro, Metro's think about this, they're expanding their system, right? Well, if you're going to expand your system, you need more trains. Right, but guess where the trains are? Still on the sideline because they haven't been cleared to come back into service. And at a time where Metro riders are trying to come back and more offices are coming back and you're starting to hear about crowding on the red line again, will they be able to open the silver line if they don't have enough trains to carry the capacity? It's really kind of an interesting, it's all kind of coming back together. And if, if Metro really wants to get riders back and get its system back up and running again, they're going to need to get those 7,000 series back on the tracks. And you were with the new GM, Randy Clark. You know, is he apprehensive? Is he hopeful? Is he still have all that like huge energy he had coming in? Uh, where, where's he at? What's, your, what's his vibe? This guy's got big energy. I, I, I don't know uh, if I've ever seen, I haven't, I've never seen a general manager with, with his energy. He mm. really does. He's now, will that fade? I don't know. I thought it was going to fade after the first week, but he's still going. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, he's he's excited about it. I think that he has inherited um, a host of issues that he really needs to deal with. But if you talk to him, he's really interesting because he, he will tell you over and over again, he's not interested in looking at the past, right? The past is the past. He wants to focus on what can happen in the future and what he can do. Mm -hmm. And he talks an awful lot about public service. And that's something that I'm not sure... While every other general manager, of course, that's why they're there. We're there to like serve the public and help people get around. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with that. I'm not sure I've ever heard them talk about it to the level that Randy Clark talks about it. And he does seem to enjoy public service. So if you're going to be in this realm and capacity, then you really should like helping out people. And I, I think he does have that going for him. Mm. If you like a problem and you like helping yeah. out people, <laughs> yeah. Metro is the spot for you. Um, I call I'll metro the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely that. And we know you'll be covering it. Adam Tuss, NBC4's transportation reporter. Thanks so much for your time and your expertise on this. Thank you, guys. And after the break, if your pumpkin spiced out, well, too bad. Luke Garrett says he has a DMV date planned for you that involves the ever-present fall trend. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602 changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like this show, give us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We love hearing from you guys and your reviews really do help other listeners find this, our area's only in-depth daily local news podcast. And thank you for making us a part of your day. And before we go, somebody made some big promises about pumpkin spice just 
off the top of his head for DMV dates. So DMV dates. I kind of want to put you on the spot here. So, okay, welcome to another segment of DMV dates where we give you the best ideas for dates for this weekend. Yeah, this one's pretty good. So, you know, it's definitely fall. It's cold. And uh, it's time to, you know, it's make... Chilly. It's chilly. I don't know if I'd say cold. 42. 42. I, I walked out and I was like, wow, I, I just got hit There were some, some mornings, yeah. It was yeah. unexpected. Unexpected. So you might as well embrace that, you know? Yeah. Um, and instead of going out and, like, just buying, you know, a pumpkin spice latte, why not make a pumpkin spiced item yourself okay. and then press, you know, the person you're going to go on a date with? So the first thing you do is you go to the grocery store and Wait, you... this is an at-home date? No. It starts, <laughs> Megan, at home when you make the cookies for your date. You know, oh, it's like, you okay, know. Okay, okay, oh. okay. I'm back on board. Okay. So you go to TikTok, step step one, and you find the user Justine Snacks, and they have an awesome pumpkin spiced chocolate chip cookie. Now, mm. I didn't know if this was going to be good, but uh, me and my girlfriend, we made them recently, and they were fantastic. Like, really, really good. Like, pumpkin is just subtle enough. And the dark chocolate mixes, okay. and it's really good. I was going to say, talk to me about the chocolate combination with the pumpkin, but it has to be dark chocolate? Well, that's what we think. I love dark chocolate to yeah. start. So for me, that was a nice balance. So you make those cookies, and like you don't have to tell your date that they're pumpkin spice. You know, you'd be like, hey, here's some cookies, and then boom. like Here's surprise. some chocolate chip cookies that are secretly pumpkin spice. Right, and where are you going? On, like, where are you when you're giving these you know, cookies? You're at a local park because you're going on a picnic and you're bringing cookies. Oh. And we've talked about picnics before. And when we did, we talked about charcuterie boards. <laughs> Wait, I have a cold. You can't make me laugh because I'm going to start coughing. But this, I remember you didn't know what a charcuterie board was. Right. Yeah. And I made a little guide for you know anyone who needs it. But <laughs> with, with your cookies, you're also going to bring something that's become very popular on TikTok, which is butter boards. Have you heard oh, of butterboards? Oh, I have seen this, yes. Yes. So what makes a great sauce for cookies? Butter. You know, so you're going to take your softened butter, you're going to take a board, and you're going to make little florets I'm with shaking my head. the butter, you know, on this board, and you're going to put some cinnamon, you're going to put some brown sugar, you're going to put some, you know, good spices on the butter, uh-huh. and then you're going to dip either bread or your nice cookies Honestly, put pumpkin spice on your butterboard. Yeah. And uh and you have a pumpkin nice kind of funny butter. TikTok influencer date. So that, wow. that's my pumpkin spice. You really spice went for date. it. Yeah, I, I dove in on the pumpkin spice. Okay, I'm gonna do a little more traditional date. My date is uh, around Tacoma Park. It is the Down in the Reeds Festival. It's a day-long fall music festival. Whoa. It's free. What? Um I know. You have to you have to RSVP that you're going, okay. but then you can just walk in. Um, so it's at the old Walter Reed campus, so not in Bethesda. Mm. Don't go there because there's no music there. Go to the old one, which is on Georgia Avenue Northwest, about a 15-minute walk from the metro station at Tacoma Park. Um, you have two options here. First option is you get off the metro. You have like a little breakfast at Busboys and Poets. Oh, solid. Like 11-ish, you yeah. know, like a brunch situation. Mm-hmm. And then you walk over to the festival, and they're going to have food trucks and all that sort of stuff. But you kind of, like, get a good base, right? Or you go straight to the festival, the music festival, down in the reeds. And then you come back, and on your way back to the metro, you stop at a place called Spicy Delight. Whoa. You want to know more. Yeah. (laughs) I know you do. I can see by your complete interest on your face. Um, Okay, it's a Jamaican restaurant. It has, like, a million great reviews. Whoa. Everyone's obsessed with this kind of hole-in-the-wall place. And they say to either get the jerk chicken or the curry chicken. And you just kind of like hang out, 
Have a great end to your day. That sounds really delicious. Jump back on the metro. Wow. I like your date idea better than mine. <laughs> if you don't want to get butter all over your hands right. and you want to see some music, go with my date. Dang. Well, that'll do it for us today on the DMV <laughs> Download. You know when you're beaten. <laughs> this show is brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Leave us a review and rate our show if you get the chance this I don't know why I'm saying this weekend. You could. I mean, this weekend's a fine time to rate our show. <laughs> you could this weekend, or you could, you know, now. Um, also, we're on social media every day, sharing stuff from behind the scenes. And if you want to be a VIP listener, go to dmvdownload.com. This podcast is made possible by WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow.